Welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in response to the events of the amazing resurrection at Easter, it now becomes our job to discern how we respond to the events of Holy Week and Christ being raised from the dead. We are to discern how we are being led to live, to change our lives, to care for others, to welcome others to Christ's table. This is our call and our challenge. Let's do this together. Come on in. The first lesson this morning is an Old Testament lesson from Genesis chapter 12, the first nine verses. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in all your families, the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Hanan. Abram took his wife, Sari, and his brother's son, Lot, and their possessions that they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran and they set to go forth to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of the Shechem, to the Oak of Morah, and at the time the Canaanites were in the land. And then the Lord said to Abram, to your offspring I will give this land. So he there built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed by stages toward Nabal. This is the word of the Lord. We are in Matthew 9, 9 through 13, and then we'll jump to 18 through 26. There's a lot going on here, so hold on. Let's go. Matthew 9, 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. It's 18. 
While he was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus got up, followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's home and saw the flute players in the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in, took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout that district. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we begin our communion liturgy, the first in that liturgy in your bulletin is the invitation to the table. And it is Christ who welcomes all of us to the table, for it is not ours, but it is the place that we are being called to dinner. It is the place that we are being called, all of us, to this place to break bread through Christ with one another. We see no better example of this than in our Matthew passage today. Matthew begins by telling us this story of Jesus walking along. And there he sees Matthew, the tax collector. Boo. And Vicki described a little bit of what that was like. It was so bad because they were of the Jewish persuasion. They were hired by the Roman authority to collect the taxes from Rome and then whatever else they wanted. So nobody knew exactly what they were supposed to give. They just had to give what they were told. And so they exploited and extorted and took more money from them than they should have. Tax collectors were wealthy, but seen as traitors and turncoats to the Jewish people, giving in to the occupying force. And that those taxes raised didn't go for better roads and water access and medicine. That went to Rome to help them occupy them even better. So think about how hard it would have been to give any taxes towards that cause for the you are supporting the people who are occupying your city, and holding down your people. So yes, they were despised. So much so that the Talmud, of a Jewish book of teaching and learning and oral tradition, says that they are, in essence, excommunicated from the temple and not allowed to participate in worship. That's pretty big stuff. So Jesus, also a Jew, let us never forget that, walks along and sees Matthew, the tax collector, doing his tax collector thing. One of the most egregious of sinners, 
And we're told in the big conversation that Jesus sets up, he looks at him and says, follow me. If you give him the little Jesus eyes, the little hypno-spinning things, we, we don't know. But was Matthew prior prepared? Did he know that Jesus was coming? Had he looked at his life? We, we don't know what that is. We, we have very little detail in that. But right away, Jesus says, follow me, and he does. How do you think the rest of the disciples thought about that? You ever been a part of a close team? Maybe it's sports, maybe it's work, maybe it's friends, maybe it's neighborhood, maybe it's volunteering, maybe it's church. You've gotten comfortable and you've known these people. There is trust within your group. And all of a sudden, somebody different comes in. And now it's not just somebody different, it's somebody who exploits you for Rome's profit. It's somebody that you despise coming into your little sacred group. And Jesus did that. Come on, Jesus. Do you know who this is? I'm sure that was not, I'm sure Matthew was not well received. He was on the outside. He was on the margins in the fray. By his own doing, yes. By his own decisions, yes. By his own profit. There's another tax collector whose name that we know that started one way and ended up another. Anybody remember? He was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, so I'm told. Yes, Zacchaeus. Same thing in Luke's account. Couldn't see Jesus had to climb the tree because he couldn't see above the crowd. Jesus comes by, you, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And Zacchaeus winds up making reparations after being at the table with Christ. And not just what he should have paid, but four times as much did he pay back what he had stolen after they had been at the table. So much happens with Christ and his ministry at the table. Follow me, Matthew says, I'm in, let's go. So they go. Poisoned waters in the disciples. I would love to see Jesus's technique of managing the group right when Matthew comes in. And the Pharisees call him out right away. Why does Jesus go to Matthew's house to eat? Matthew invites all of his tax collector friends, a whole group of people that the Jewish people hate, and then just other random sinners called them to his house and they were all eating with Christ. And the Pharisees call him out, Jesus, why, why, why does your master do that? Eat with sinners. That's not something that we do. And Jesus responds, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Meaning that love and grace is more important than ritual and the law that they are exploiting themselves, the Pharisees, for their own benefit. 
For I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. This is one of those times where you think, it's good to be a sinner. Jesus says, I've come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. And as we progress through the story, we are introduced to a couple, well, one more. So right away, you have a leader of the synagogue in the other accounts. It's in, this account is in the three synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John does not have the account. This is Jairus's daughter, the healing of, although he's not named in Matthew's account. But a leader of the synagogue, a big shot, wealthy, high on the status ladder, comes to Jesus and says, not just that my daughter is sick, but she has died. She's died. But Lord, if you can come and you will touch her, she will live and come back to life. And Jesus gets up and starts to follow him. Then right away, a woman, another character enters. A woman who's been suffering with hemorrhaging for 12 years, which would have made her unclean, whatever the cause was, on the fringe, on the margins, came up, touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, we know her internal dialogue, monologue here, if I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. And in this account, Jesus sees her and turns and says, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly she was well. And then they get to the house where the little girl was, where he started in the beginning. And he reaches out his hand. One of the things I like best about this account, when Jesus came to the leader's home and saw the flute players in the crowd making a commotion. We know those rowdy flute players, always out of control, making commotion. But they were there because they were there to facilitate the death ritual. She was dead. They were starting the practice of their uh, a ritual for acknowledging her death. Jesus says, go away. The girl's not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed, and he reaches out, picks her up. In the other accounts, they use the Aramaic term talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. I've used that several times in the mornings, screaming at my girls in Aramaic to get them up to go to school. Talitha kum, talitha kum, get up, little girl. And here Jesus touches her and brings her back to life, resurrects her from dead like Lazarus. And when this had happened, the reports of this spread throughout that district. So today the title of the sermon is where we are. Which sinners will we invite to Christ's table? So I'd like you each to write your top 10 sins on an index card provided you in the pew. Bring it forward and I will determine whose sins are acceptable and whose are not. We do that even though that sounds absurd. While we would say, well, we don't bar anybody from the table, what if we truly had an enemy here? 
What if we had someone who had perpetrated harm on others? Are they welcome to the table? They are. Christ is saying through the table, he brought Matthew and all of Matthew's sinner, tax collector, scumbag friends. All of you are welcome to this table. And that's where mercy happens. Same thing with Zacchaeus in the Luke account of Zacchaeus. At the table is where Zacchaeus is changed. And it is at this table when we allow God into our hearts and lives that we too can be changed and not just for our sake, but then to go out and welcome others to this table. For this table is not a Presbyterian table. It is not belong to this church. It is Christ's table. And at table, at dinner, at meal is where Christ did some of his best work. And it is at this table that all sinners, and thank God because we are all sinners, in different ways, in different times, but Christ beckons all of you, all of us, to come enjoy and join the saints of all time, those who are now home in God's kingdom, meet us here. The presence of Christ meets us here in the presence of the Holy Spirit in this symbolic bread and juice in showing his love for us on the cross and the power in the empty tomb. Friends, this table transforms lives. This story is about Jesus welcoming in the tax collector on the fringe. This poor lady, unclean for 12 years, brought her right in. Even the synagogue high on the status list was marginalized because of the death of his daughter. Jesus, who should not have touched a dead body, it made him unclean, raised her back to life through touch. So no matter what you have done, no matter what you have thought, no matter where you have been, Christ welcomes you to this table. Christ says, I'm coming to dinner tonight at your house, in your heart, in your family, and we start here at church at this table. So we invite all to come and join us to celebrate this God of radical mercy and grace.